1: Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast slash YouTube video. Everybody that is listening to the Addicts Anonymous podcast slash YouTube channel. Um, We're going to be doing a simultaneous recording of the podcast. Plus, we're going to be recording this on YouTube for you guys. And we have Sarah A. today. How are you, Sarah?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm better now that I'm talking with you. So... We're going to have some fun yep. today. So I guess let's just make this easy and let's start off with your childhood. How, how was that growing up? Did you have both parents or?
0: Um, I actually lived with my aunt and my uncle. Um, my mom lived there with us. My dad wasn't really a part of my life till just recently. So it was my aunt and my uncle and my mom. My mom worked all the time and I was stuck with my abusive uncle.
1: Was everybody living in the same household or you were in a separate household?
0: Um, until I was 15, we were all in the same house.
1: So you guys were all living together and mom would go to work and then your uncle would abuse you? Yes. And what was your age when this first started? Um, I think I was 10. So very, very young. Do you remember anything from it that... You think, you know, I I guess what the question would be is, do you remember anything or is that area of your life blacked out? Because I could only imagine, I know for me, the reason I asked that is a lot of stuff that went on with me. I blacked it out. So it's very hard for me to remember. And I was just curious if maybe you had the same thing.
0: Um, Certain things I can't remember, but there's other things that I remember very well.
1: Would you be willing to talk about those things? Yeah. So what kind of things do you remember?
0: Um, I was 10 and the unwanted attention started, like he was always buying me stuff and taking me places. And now I realize it was unwanted attention, but then I just thought, you know, that's what family does. They take care of each other. Yeah. Um, I hit 12 and he started touching me through my clothes. And when I was 13, it started underneath my clothes. And And it
1: was. And you guys were totally alone in the house when this all happened.
0: Yeah, because my aunt was diabetic and she had emphysema, and she had strokes. So she was in the hospital a lot.
1: From what you know. Was your uncle doing this to anybody else, or was it just you? I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters.
0: Um, I do believe it was my older cousin as well. That's what my grandma told me, but she won't admit it.
1: What was that last thing you said?
0: She won't admit it, my older cousin.
1: Okay, so that's your cousin and then your uncle. Is that his daughter?
0: No, it's his niece.
1: Okay, his niece. So did you tell anybody about this?
0: No, not until I was 15.
1: So that must have been a big secret for you to keep.
0: It was. It was very hard. I started cutting myself. Um, I was in a children's psych hospital twice before I was 13,
1: so I guess you could say it was, like, liver, literally driving you insane. hmm Did he tell you not to tell anyone? Did he threaten you? How did, was there a reason you didn't tell anyone until you were 15?
0: He told me that he would make my aunt go to a nursing home, and he would hurt my mom.
1: So he was threatening you? Mm-hmm. So it was just you and your other cousin at the time. Um, Did you and the cousin ever talk about it just between you two?
0: No. um, She's in such denial that she still doesn't believe me. And I would have never knew anything about her. But when my grandma had cancer, um, we were talking about it and my grandma told me. And she's like, you need to try to talk to her. You guys can get through this together. And she denied everything, and we haven't spoke since.
1: That's a sad thing. So how else was your childhood? What were the relationships like with other family members?
0: Um, My mom and my relationship was amazing. Um, Mine and my aunts, my grandparents. Most of my cousins, my brother and sister, like, we were all good. Um, my stepdad, we didn't start getting along until I was about 17. But, like, I, people have had worse childhoods than I have.
1: Well, I mean, don't say that. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but the one thing I recognized is never, you, you went through a lot you know some might have in your mind went through a lot more but at the end of the day you might be both feeling the same pain that is very true so you had a good family if if you don't mind me asking you said you were so close to your mom why did you not feel that you were able to tell her sooner
0: i didn't think she would believe me or that she would think it was my fault
1: That's something I hear all too often. The big thing is a lot of people don't think anybody's going to believe them. Mm -hmm. Especially when they're children. Yeah. How was everything else in your life? How was school?
0: Um, I actually did really good in school until about eighth grade. And that's when the abuse had gotten worse and my grades started slipping I started skipping school. I was smoking in the bathrooms. I was fighting. I actually got expelled from school in ninth grade.
1: Did you go to attend a different school?
0: Yeah, I went um, they call it a Delphi Village.
1: What's that for uh, like for bad children? Yeah How is it there? Were they strict?
0: They were strict, but I needed that. I needed, like, it's so weird because kids are always saying that they need free time and they need to be able to be their own, but I needed that discipline. I needed to feel like somebody cared.
1: And one of the most important things I believe for addicts is you probably, and you correct me if I'm wrong, needed structure. Yes. Yeah, because discipline is also a really big thing. It's one of our four pillars. Um, The four pillars of Addicts Anonymous are self-love, discipline, hard work, and community. So right there, and part of the way we build our program upon, you know, discipline is a huge thing because a lot of us addicts have been lacking discipline for a long time. Right. Plain and simple. I mean, just think about our lives while we were in active addiction. They weren't very coordinated. And you know what I mean? We kind of were all over yeah. the place. So at the time, did you realize you needed the school? Like, how was your relationship with everybody at the school?
0: Um, I got along. I was the youngest kid there. I got along with pretty much everybody until this new girl came. And she was just, I don't even know how to describe her. She was just an asshole. And we ended up getting into a fits fight.
1: And what happened after that? Um, you guys get suspended.
0: Yeah, I got suspended for three days. She got suspended for five, and they called my probation officer.
1: Oh, so this entire time you were on probation. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty young to get into the system.
0: I've been in the system. Well, not anymore. Since I was seven.
1: What was the... What did you do to get on probation?
0: Uh, To bomb threat at the high school.
1: Wow. Was there a reason you did that?
0: I was hoping they'd take me away. To where? Anywhere but where I was.
1: So at the time you did not like that school?
0: No. Like, not even just the school, the home life situation.
1: Is there anything particular besides your uncle that you remember kind of affecting your life?
0: Um, I'm not really sure what happened, but, um, like I said, since I was seven, I've been involved with some type of CYS or something. Um, I was, they put me on Prozac when I was eight and Ritalin. Um, So I've always had some type of mental problems. And we're not sure if that started because of the abuse, like if that triggered something in me. Um, But I'm in trauma therapy for it now for the first time since I was 15. And I told my friend and she told her older sister, it was never brought up again until this last year.
1: Again, that's a huge thing to be holding on to. Yeah. That's a huge thing to be holding on to. So did, did you graduate high school? You make it through?
0: I actually quit in 11th grade.
1: Oh, what was the reason for that?
0: Um, My aunt was very sick, and her husband, which was my uncle, wouldn't take care of her, so I dropped out of school and stayed home to take care of her because nobody else would. My grandma wasn't able to.
1: That's a very young age you become a caregiver to someone. What what kind of stuff would you have to do?
0: Um, she has lost her leg from her knee down because of gangrene from her diabetes. So I would have to pick her up, put her in her wheelchair, give her a shower, change her bed sheets, empty her port, um, bedside potty, make her food.
1: seems like you were a full-time mother Mm -hmm. that's a lot of stuff to be doing at that young age so you dropped out you're taking care of other people Mm -hmm. would you did you go out and get a job for yourself was there a way you guys were supported did anybody in the house work how how did that go um
0: my aunt actually was on disability
1: okay so there was an income Did anybody else work or you guys were just caring for her? Her
0: husband had dis, uh, disability.
1: So both of them were on disability.
0: And my mom was already living in uh, a different city at this time.
1: Where'd she move to?
0: Uh, Butler.
1: Where's that? What state?
0: Pennsylvania.
1: Pennsylvania. Is there a reason she moved?
0: Uh, she met my stepdad.
1: Okay, so it was for love, I guess you could say?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How did that make you feel?
0: I was very angry. I felt like she was picking a man over me. And that wasn't the case at all. In my own screwed up head, that's what I made it out to be. But she gave me the option. She said, you can stay with your aunt or you can come with me. Well... There was nobody to take care of my aunt. So I was like, well, I want to stay here.
1: Wow. You you had a lot of tough decisions to make. Yeah. So you chose staying with your aunt to take care of her versus going with your mom. Mm Mm-hmm. And how far away was that for you? You said she moved to Butler. Was that a couple hours from you? How how far away from Mm -hmm. it? From you, was that? About a half hour. Say it one more time? About a half hour. Okay, so it wasn't terrible. No. Did you um, get to see her a lot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she was still involved in your life, but like you said, I guess it was a young thing, thinking that she abandoned yeah.
0: you. Yeah, my mom has never, ever not been a part of my life. Even in my active addiction, she was still right there.
1: That's good. That's important to have the right support because that's not to keep talking about Addicts Anonymous too much, but that's another part of the pillars. You know, before I mentioned discipline is one of them, the last one is community. So it's so important to have the right people around you. It's It's also important to not have the wrong people around you. People think of, okay, build up community. They don't recognize that sometimes you have to let some people go. Like, obviously, your uncle should not be part of your community. Right. You know, because that's just not going to help you mentally. So you stayed with your aunt, and did you have a job at all?
0: No. I, I took care of her full time.
1: Okay. And how long did this go on for?
0: Until I was... 17. She passed away in December of 2004.
1: So you took care of her till the end. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel when she passed?
0: Uh, It broke me. Like completely destroyed me. And that's when the drinking started and the taking random pills to make me go to
1: sleep. So this is where the story gets going as far as your drug abuse. It was drinking actually. So what made you take that first drink? Was it just in the house or did you do it with a friend? What was your first time like, your first time ever doing drugs or alcohol?
0: Um, The day we left the hospital after they took her to get her ready to go to the funeral home. And my uncle stopped at a local distributor in town. And I told him to buy me something, so he did. And it just went from there.
1: Do you remember was, what it was? Do you remember the first thing you bought?
0: Mike's hard lemonade.
1: Oh, I was kind of the same way. It was, well, actually, no. My first drink was like vodka. I hated it. I didn't drink a lot. I made believe I did because I faked being drunk. I still remember that to this day. Everybody wanted to be cool, <laughs> so part of being cool was drinking and smoking. You know. Yeah. So I remember faking it. Um, what was it like your first time? Did you enjoy it? Was it? Did it give you any type of relief from what you were going through?
0: Um, it numbed my emotions, and I really liked that.
1: So it's it's a, a numbing effect for you. Yeah. Do you remember if you liked it? Was it something that you were just like? Because they say. I guess the question is, did it make you feel normal? Because I forgot who said this, but someone said if you take five people and you give them all a drink and one of them just says, I feel normal, that's the alcoholic.
0: Oh, yeah. I felt like everything made sense, like this is what was supposed to happen.
1: It also makes you a little bit more chatty and easier to speak with people. Mm Mm-hmm. So was it also like a social lubricant for you? Yes. Did you continue on drinking? So your first time, was it just like, you know, a one-shot deal? Or after that, did it start, you know, becoming a daily thing for you?
0: Um, It wasn't really a daily thing. Uh, I never had like a severe problem with alcohol like i could drink and then not drink for six or seven months it was no big deal but the fact that it made me numb that night is when i went searching for other things that would make me numb
1: so that was your gateway was alcohol yeah where did you look for other things
0: uh friends i actually have a cousin who overdosed and i used to go to him
1: and what would you get from him
0: anything um Percocet Vicodin OxyContin Opana's heroin
1: So he was like a one-stop shopping. hmm Did anyone else in your family know about this?
0: Um, my sister did. And she kept it a secret for maybe a week and a half, and then she told on me.
1: That you were drinking. Yeah. Did you ever drink with... So, The first time you ever drank, was it actually with your uncle or did he just get it for you? Like the first time, you were you alone?
0: Yeah, he got it for me and dropped me off at a friend's house.
1: Okay. Did you drink with your friends?
0: They weren't home. I was actually waiting for them to get home. But I had such a good relationship with their mom that she told me where the spare key was and just to go in and they'd be home eventually.
1: That's good. So your sister held it in for about a week and then she ratted you out. What did your parents say?
0: Um, my stepdad was very upset because he was an alcoholic and he would always, always put it in all of our heads. Do not drink. It's not worth it. Your liver is going to go bad. And he was very upset and they, him and my mom moved me in with them and they didn't give me a choice. And, like, I was on lockdown. I didn't go anywhere without one of them, nothing.
1: And real quick, I forget, at this time, how old were you? 17. 17. So did the, I guess, eventually, they let the lockdown go? I mean, how long did you stay in that state? How long did they keep you bottled or keep you holed up in one spot?
0: about 60 days.
1: That's a long time. Mhm. So it was kind of just like being punished. You weren't allowed to go out and see your friends and stuff. Yeah. So once that 60 days was over, how was what did what happened? They just kind of threw you back into society?
0: Um, I, a friend had texted me and said they were going to the movies and asked if I wanted to go. So I asked them and they sent me upstairs to my room and they're like, let us talk about it for a couple minutes. So they talked and they decided that I could go. I learned my lesson and I honestly did. I didn't like the taste of alcohol. I just liked the way it made me feel. And I did really good until my 18th birthday and my 18th birthday is the first time I tried heroin.
1: It was actually on your birthday? Yeah. And who brought that to you? Or did you go out seeking it? How did that happen?
0: I was at somebody's house who said they were a friend. And um, I was just like, I need something to make me numb. And she's like, here, snort this. And I'm like, well, what is it? She's like, do you trust me? And I'm like, with my life. And she's like, well, snort it. So I did. And after I'm done, she says, you just snorted heroin. I was like, oh, that's that, that, that's great.
1: How did it make you feel?
0: I loved it. Loved. The puke or eat feeling. And it's going to sound so gross, but I would rather throw up because it makes you higher.
1: Yes, that's one thing. That I've heard is when you try heroin, a lot of times you throw up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That happens to a lot of people.
0: Yep, and when you throw up, you get even higher than what you were to begin with.
1: It's, uh, once again, it's that word that we use quite often when it comes to addicts, which is insanity. Like, just think about it. You Mm -hmm. want to throw up because you get higher. Right. So you did heroin on your 18th birthday... Were you, like, instant, were you instantly hooked? Yeah. And did you continue using with friends, or did you start using by yourself?
0: Um, Both. And then when I was 19, I got clean for the first time. And I was actually clean until 2012. And my sister committed suicide on May 3rd, 2012. Her birthday is May 14th.
1: I'm sorry to hear and that. It and was,
0: it was just a downward spiral from there.
1: So from 18 to 19, you were using, did mm-hmm. it affect anything? Because I know you said you were a caretaker. Did it affect any of your responsibilities?
0: I actually didn't have a job that whole time because I, I just couldn't. I was either too sick or too high to work.
1: What about caring for your aunt?
0: Um, she passed away when, in December when I was 17.
1: Okay, so you, were, you weren't doing that anymore. Right. Yeah, that's rough. That's a rough thing. Mm. And when you were 19, what was the reason you got sober? Did something happen?
0: Um, I was just tired of it. Tired of wondering when I was going to get my next fix, if I was going to wake up sick. It just, I was over it. I was fed up. I didn't want it anymore.
1: That's an adult decision to make at such a young age. Yeah. At the time we feel so old. Oh, we're 19. We're almost 20. You know what I mean? But when you look back and as you get older, you realize you, you just a kid. So that's kind of like a really adult decision to make without maybe having someone push you into it. Usually at that age, I think, or I feel, most people are being pushed into it by their parents or their family or their teachers or whatever it is, their counselors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or we have a group member who has the term, maybe they got a nudge from the judge. So <laughs> that's another thing that happens, obviously. Us drug addicts get into, or alcoholics get into a lot... A lot of trouble. Yeah. How were you with that? Did you get in trouble at all when you were using? Like when you were young? Um,
0: I mostly got fines for disorderly conduct.
1: What kind of... What would you do? uh, Fighting. So you were a fighter?
0: Yeah. And I think I got a criminal trespass... A retail theft, yeah, the only thing on my record is retail theft and a criminal trespass. The other were summary offenses, so I just had to pay fines.
1: What did you steal?
0: Oh my God, so much
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever I thought I could sell to get drugs,
1: okay, so Close, that, that's see, I didn't even diaper. think about that, so you were you were stealing to support your habit, yeah, okay. So was that your main? Like, so how long did that go on for? Did you get away with it for a long time, or was it short lived?
0: I got away with it for about a year.
1: And then you got caught. What happened? You had to go to court.
0: Yeah, I got put on probation. I got a nine hundred dollar fine, and I had to do fifty hours of community service.
1: And. Once that all happened, were you clean at this time or were you using?
0: Um, at the time that when I got arrested, I was using. When I went to court, I was trying to get clean, but I was so freaked out about going to court that I smoked a bowl before I went in to see the judge. And he sent me to probation to meet my probation officer and all that and she drug tested me and put me in intensive outpatient three days a week.
1: Looking back, that's not a bad thing. It's something you probably needed. Yeah. Did that type of outpatient services did they help you at all with your drug abuse or just you just went because you had to and you were still using?
0: Um. At that time, I just it was more of I had to. Like, I didn't think I needed it. Oh, I don't have a problem. I can quit whenever I want.
1: Yeah. So, how long were you sober for? So, you got arrested and in trouble when you were 19. How long Uh did you stay sober for after you saw that judge? Uh... Did I lose you? Seven.
0: Oh. Yeah, seven years. Seven years. I was counting. <laughs> oh,
1: that's okay. Um, that's a long time. It's a very long time. So do you find that it was a combination of, like, self-will and the outpatient services? Or what do you attribute to that length of time keeping you sober?
0: Um, I think it was the outpatient. Um, I changed people, places. I just, like, put my all into it because I didn't want to be another statistic.
1: So, again, you were making adult decisions at a young age, you know, for someone to think I don't want to be a statistic, you know.
0: Yeah. I grew up very fast.
1: Because of everything you went through. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure just being a caretaker at that young of an age to someone older than you was something that was built responsibility in yourself and you, you grew faster, like you said. Yeah. So, and then after the seven years is when you had a death in the family and you went back? Yes. How long did you go back for?
0: From 2012 till 2014.
1: So you relapsed for two years. And what kind of stuff were you using?
0: Heroin and opanus.
1: And what's the second one?
0: Opana, it is a mix between oxycontin and morphine.
1: Okay, never heard of it.
0: Yeah, it it was newer back then.
1: Strong stuff?
0: Very. It actually, um, when you melt it, it's pure black. They call it liquid death.
1: Liquid death. Mm-hmm. So you would shoot that? Yep. And did you ever have anything like, um? did you ever get any stuff like, I know some people get like collapsed veins or abscesses. Do you ever get stuff um, like that?
0: I actually had an abscess that almost killed me. Wow. Um, I was septic from the infection. Um, they had to do emergency surgery. They cut my elbow Um, They had to dig the infection out of the pocket of my elbow. Um, I had stitches on the top and bottom of my arm. And it was packed with this gauze stuff, like, long and stringy-like. And it had to be changed twice a day. I was on (sighs) IV antibiotics for five days and oral antibiotics for 14 days. And... I went to the hospital February 25th, 2014, and that's the last time I used.
1: What was that last date? Say it one more time.
0: I, I went to the hospital February 25th of 2014, and that's the last time I ever used.
1: And you stopped the, the abscess incident was the last time you used?
0: Yeah.
1: I forget what. Do you know exactly what is an abscess? Isn't it just like an extra of the drugs that builds a pocket, or what is that exactly?
0: It's an people? infection.
1: It's an infection.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I've seen like them on how, people. Like when I was in rehab, I, I like there were bumps on people, and they said those were abscesses.
0: Yeah. Um, sometimes, if you miss the vein, it'll the buildup of the drug will cause a bump. But if it's an abscess, it's kind of like an abscess tooth when your tooth is infected.
1: Okay. So what about that made you stop using? Is it because that you almost like lost your arm or you almost died? Was there an actual motivating factor besides just that? Like what was, what was going on in your mind when you said I'm done?
0: My mom looked at me after surgery and I've never, ever seen my mom scream like this. And she just started screaming and was like, Sarah, I swear to God, I cannot lose you. She's like, you can't do this to me. I lost your sister. Please don't do this to me. And that was it. That, I was done. I do not want to be the reason my mom is in pain.
1: Well, that's one of the things I, I have a worksheet for our step one. And one of the things I say is we're trying to identify motivating factors. Obviously, you need to do it for yourself, but having to do it for your mother and, like, the back of your mind is never a bad thing. Right. I believe having motivating factors helps tremendously. And motivating factors can be family members, friends, your spouse, things like that. Right. So how old are you now? 35. 35? And... You've had, how has the sober part of your life been? So tell our listeners about life and is it better also what you do to stay sober? Because obviously, you know, when you're sober a long time, that's, you tell us how, you tell us how it was. Is it easy? Is it bad?
0: Um, Some days are very easy. Other days are very hard. It's still, I still fight. Um, I still have bad days where I'm like, well, if I just get high... And then I think about my mom and my wife and my daughter and the fact that I have a job and a roof over my head.
1: Um, Life's better sober also.
0: Yeah, it is so much better. It's like at first, when you first get clean, the first tragedy that happens or loss, you're like, I don't like this. This is why I got high. I can stay numb. I don't have to feel this. What do I do with these emotions? But you have to remind yourself that when that high wears off, reality is coming to smack you right in the face. Not only did you relapse, all those feelings are right there waiting for you.
1: Yeah. It's like they press pause and they're just waiting for you to come back. Yeah. They don't go away. So is there anything specific that, you know, any tips you can give listeners? Is there, you know, do you do any type of meditation? Are you on any type of special diet? Um, Because I know there's, I've heard all types of answers when I asked that about as far as the way people are keeping themselves going and sober.
0: Um, It's, I do more of, I guess you could call it meditation at least once a day. I put my headphones in and just blast my music. Which goes anywhere from Eminem to Marilyn Manson.
1: Hmm. Eclectic taste. So, Very eclectic. Yeah. But that could be that. That is absolutely music meditation. Anything where you can be single pointedly focused. Yeah. So if you're just focus on the music, that's a good. I, what I used to do for my focusing meditation was actually pick an instrument and try and just listen to that. And it's pretty interesting. If you just listen to one instrument while you go through a song, it really helps fine-tune your focus, but it's also just a very cool experience. Right. So you're in recovery now. Everything Uh seems to be going well. Um, I really think I'm running out of questions to ask Is there anything else that you wanted to say on this podcast slash YouTube video? Anything you wanted to get out there?
0: Um just know that you can do it, reach out, we're here, my inbox is always open.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, for anyone that wants Sarah's inbox, they can message me, most people know my name is Jim Rachel's on Facebook, if they ever want to get in touch with Sarah as far as being a sponsor possibly, or things like that, right Sarah, you're going to be taking on the role of a sponsor, a virtual sponsor pretty soon. Yes. And that, that's a big, that's a big thing. I mean, say to yourself, when you were getting high, did you ever imagine that you were going to be part of a group, be helping run it, you know, moderate it, also going to be working with sponsees? Did you ever think that was even possible?
0: Nope. Not in a million years.
1: <laughs> yep. Me neither. I remember, I always wanted to know about those guys. Like, i i was interested in the sober guys but i wasn't interested i didn't feel like hearing that i was an addict but even though deep down inside i knew i needed something right yeah so i think we're going to wrap it up now i want to thank you so much sarah for coming on and doing this with us
0: thank you for having me
1: yeah and for everybody that's watching slash listening Please go on YouTube and give us a like. Also, subscribe to us. We're going to be doing these type of videos as well as the entire Zoom meeting. We're going to have some of those recorded, which I already have one for you guys. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, please go and give us a rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to check out our Facebook group. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and that's all I've got for today. Until next time.
0: Recording stopped.